Hello, fellow travelers, and welcome to Adventures in Security, Episode 4 for December 11th, 2005. I'm your host, Tom Olzak. This is a weekly podcast published each Sunday evening, sometime before midnight. You can also find most of the information covered in our episodes at adventuresinsecurity.com. If you're interested in commenting on what you hear or about topics you'd like us to talk about, please send email to podcasts at adventuresinsecurity.com. The purpose of these podcasts is the exploration of security management, including the crazy things people try to do to each other and to themselves. Well, before we jump into this week's news, um, I'd like to take a moment to uh, recognize Simpatico, who is the uh, artist that uh, is responsible for our intro and closing music. And um, I'd like to go over a brief agenda of what we're going to discuss in this episode. The first thing we're going to do is spend some time going over some events that have occurred this week, over the last week, that I think are of importance to security uh, in an organization and important for managers to consider. And then we're going to wrap up this episode with a look at what you have to do as a manager to practice due diligence when outsourcing applications and data uh, to either domestic organizations or to offshore investigations. So let's jump into this week's uh, news. The sober virus uh, is still rampaging through the internet, and the Finnish antivirus firm F-Secure revealed that it had cracked the algorithm used by the sober worm and could now calculate the exact websites the worm would check on a particular day to download malicious code or code that will perform tasks that the authors of the worm or the people who are paying the authors of the worm, whatever, uh, want those applications to do on infected workstations. The day is January 6, 2006. And in addition to ensuring your systems are running the most current antivirus software, you should also block user access to the sites listed in the sober code cracked link in the news resources section of uh, the news page on adventuresandsecurity.com. The sober worm has infected about 8% of all email, which is about 1 in 13. What it does is it infects a machine, it can download and execute remote files, it also can execute unsolicited mass mailings by removing email addresses from specific files that it finds on an infected workstation. The result of this can be someone taking control of the infected machine, it can be the gathering of information and sending it to a central point outside your network. It can also clog your email system and your message filtering systems. A Fortune 1000 company uh, that I do some work for uh, stopped receiving email because their perimeter email filtering system had quarantined over 600,000 messages and filled the cache space. This isn't a major problem. They simply cleared the cache and were up and running again, but it can get frustrating. So what's best practice for dealing with a worm of this type? Well, the first thing you should do is block all executable attachments at the perimeter. These include, and this is a very short list, exe files, com files, bat files, and pif, PIF files. Even if you have antivirus uh, software on your email servers, it's best to try to filter malware before it reaches your production boxes. Ensure up-to-date antivirus software is loaded on workstations and your servers. And most importantly, educate your employees. 
Make sure they understand that it's not a good idea to open attachments they aren't expecting or from senders they don't know. It doesn't hurt to take a minute and pick up the phone just to double check. Instant messaging is becoming a target of organized cyber criminals. Researchers from Aconex Systems Security Center team said that they tracked 62 instant message-based attacks in November 2005, a monthly increase of 226%. Of this total, 58 worms were found to be variants of previous infections, and four were identified as new worms that were introduced during the month. According to data retrieved from IMLogic Threat Center, November 2005 shows a 3,266% increase in the number of IM malware threats that exist when compared with November 2004. Some may think that it's just beating a dead horse to continue to tell businesses and individuals to get serious about protecting themselves, but there are still many users, both in offices and at home, who downplay the seriousness of the infectious state of the Internet today. Consequently, many unprotected systems serve as launching points for organized attacks against lucrative targets, including many businesses. In analysis contained in the SOFO Security Threat Management Report for 2005, reveals that there's been a 48% increase in Internet malware threats over the previous year. One in 44 emails contains malware of some kind. The rate of increase of new Trojans is exceeding the release of new worms by a factor of 2 to 1. In fact, according to Panda Labs, 10,000 new samples of automated worms or Trojans were detected in 2005. And finally, cybercriminals are joining forces and attacking using combined technology. Chatty worms are now joining your users as they chat over instant messaging sessions. According to an article in News.com, a new worm is targeting AOL's IM users by talking them into installing malicious software provided during an IM session. Again, your users should be made aware of the dangers of communicating with people or other entities they don't know or trust. Taking this a step further, social engineering attacks are successful because employees willingly provide information to anyone who asks, including over the phone, email, fax, and any other type of electronic media. MP3 players are now a threat to your network. Now, I'm not losing my mind. Companies may want to consider controls for dealing with MP3 players employees receive for Christmas this year. A top-of-the-line MP3 player is capable of storing large amounts of data, data that isn't encrypted. Employees can also unknowingly store malware-infected files while connected to their home PCs and then carry them to the office where they're connected to your network via the employee's workstation. It looks like it might be a good time to consider a portable storage device policy. New York Security Breach and Notification Act goes into effect this week. It puts the Empire State in the company of 18 others requiring full disclosure to customers after a breach. Business and government institutions that maintain databases of personal information will be required to notify affected individuals if that information is compromised through a computer security breach. The legislation, which went into effect on December 5th, also provides for enforcement measures in the form of fines. The legislation was proposed in an effort to curb the ever-increasing problem of identity theft. Corporate espionage is another good reason to maintain the security of your information assets. 
The CEO of Business Engine Software pled guilty last week to charges of breaking into a rival's computers and stealing trade secrets. Business Engine Software allegedly obtained user account names and passwords that allowed broad access to a competitor's data resources. So this is an example of where accounts, their passwords, where they're located in your network need to be protected. Protected from electronic attack and protected from being given out. And in addition to that, and something that most organizations do not consider, is that the release of organization charts that specify where people are are located within your organization and what their responsibilities are will help attackers focus on accounts that they believe they can get the most mileage from. So make sure that you lock down your organization charts as tightly as you lock down your accounts and your passwords. According to the second annual AOL National Cybersecurity Alliance online safety study, 23% of all Americans are targets of phishing attacks each month. Phishing, spelled P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G, is the sending of an email with a link or a request that solicits personal information, and it appears to come from a reputable source. An even more serious discovery is that 70% of Americans who received phishing mails thought they were legitimate. This increases the risks of identity theft significantly. This is another strong argument for user awareness programs. There is always a chance that your business may become the target of a phishing attack in an effort to obtain sensitive or restricted information. Well, that's it for our news stories for this week. Links leading to the sources for these news items can be found on the news page at adventuresinsecurity.com. Now we're going to jump into our tip for this week, outsourcing due diligence. Outsourcing to domestic or offshore entities is not slowing organizations continue to send their applications and data to application service providers or development organizations in an effort to improve profitability. But what is the responsibility of those organizations for protecting that data? When you take a look at our regulatory environment, we have HIPAA that normally can be protected by the use of a business associate agreement covering what the expectations are to protect the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of protected health information. You have Sarbanes-Oxley, and in a Sarbanes-Oxley environment, an outsourcing agreement must include expectations of how the outsource vendor will protect integrity of information. In any case, if you outsource, it's your responsibility to ensure compliance with these agreements and the protection of your information in accordance with applicable laws. So I'm going to recommend here two methods for ensuring that your service provider, the provider of your outsourced services, is complying with your wishes about protecting your data. And these two methods are the use of SAS 70 and BS 7799 certification. A very good document explaining all the details of SAS 70 can be found at www.sas70, that's SAS70.com. SAS 70 is an internationally recognized auditing standard developed by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, the AICPA. A SAS 70 audit, or service auditor's examination, is widely recognized because it represents that a service organization has been through an in-depth audit of their control activities, which generally include controls over information technology 
and related processes. SAS 70 allows the users of services to review a report in a standard format that represents the auditor's opinion as to whether the service provider is effectively implementing the controls represented as being in place. To obtain full benefit from a SAS 70 approach to due diligence, make sure you include in your outsourcing contracts and agreements your expectations for the controls required to protect your data. In many cases, you can require a service provider to conduct a SAS 70 audit specific to your control requirements. In any case, it's important that you review the controls the service provider implements to ensure that your data and the data of your customers are protected in a reasonable and appropriate manner. Let's now move to an examination of the BS7799 certification. In the United States, the regulatory and compliance requirements imposed by HIPAA, Gramm-Leach-Bliley, SOX, are all best achieved through the development of an information security management system that is integrated, comprehensive, and incorporates widely recognized best practice. This is precisely what BS7799 certification assures. Based on the ISO 17799 standard, which is also an international standard, BS7799 certification provides evidence that a service provider has implemented sufficient controls to provide reasonable and appropriate security for the information it stores and processes. A BS7799 cert may not cover all areas of the service provider's business that are relevant to your relationship. For that reason, you should always make sure you get a copy of the actual certificate. The certificate will list all areas that were covered in the audit. The BS7799 audit report may be a little vague. One I reviewed recently contained no information I could use to actually assess the levels of protection provided. You may want to consider either a more detailed report or a copy of the service provider's Information Security Management System Manual. However you decide to monitor service provider compliance, just be sure to provide the level of due diligence necessary to protect your customers, your employees, and your investors. Well, that's it for this week. I hope we were able to make your life a little easier. Until next time, be careful what you click.